Welcome to Reporter's Notebook. I'm Enrique Serna of KCTS 9 with David Croman, Crosscut.com city reporter. David's latest story looks at the challenges and frustration involving Seattle police reform. And David, so what's the frustration here? I'd say the main frustration is that a lot of the parties involved in pushing forward police reform feel like they've had good quality recommendations for how to change the Seattle Police Department's accountability structure. So how police officers get disciplined or how they need to report force and and who is making sure those things are happening. They feel like they've had these good recommendations for a while and they want to see them passed into law through legislation. But the main frustration is that because this is a federal court case, it's not quite as easy as just drafting a bill and passing it through legislation. Up until recently, it sort of worked that they needed to come up with these recommendations and then give them to this federal judge, James Robart, and then he would kind of sign them off as sort of satisfying certain parts of this consent decree that Seattle's under. And then only when he did that would they be allowed to push forward legislation. More recently, the Community Police Commission, the civilian part, voice in this whole thing, along with the city and even the Department of Justice, filed a stipulated motion to the judge, essentially asking him, please let us just give this over to the city, let them draft this legislation, and then after that, you can look at it. Because in doing so, it sort of takes some of the burden off of these people to come up with every single specific right. recommendation in back rooms. And then the idea being that the public could have a little more influence and sort of be able to watch this process unfold a little bit better than it has, sort of like most legislation works. More transparency as well. Yeah, that's that's the idea. So we have the Civilian Community Police Commission that's been working on these recommendations, has come up with these recommendations, and is ready to push, uh, push them forward. Uh, and as you mentioned, there is the federal judge, James Robart, who uh, really seems to be the guy that says, everything's got to go through me. Mm-hmm. Why is he such a stickler about this? I think he's a stickler. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask. But I think he's a stickler because he's a federal judge and he's treating this very much as you would expect a judge to treat a court case. I think the challenges are a lot of people who want police reform, want community involvement. Essentially, they want a legislative process. But the judge is seeing this as it is, which is a lawsuit. (laughs) And in a lawsuit, there's not a lot of community you know, there's not a lot of public testimony in a lawsuit. And so his job, at least as he interprets it, is to make sure that this consent decree is being fulfilled. His allegiance is to this consent decree. Whereas, and that, that's the Department of Justice that the, now the consent decree is also between the Seattle Police Department is all part of this police reform. Mm-hmm. So he's seeing it as a, as a real legal mandate. Though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, through his eyes, the, the purpose is to fulfill that consent decree. It's not necessarily to make the community happy, which is something that does not sit well with the community <laughs> right. sometimes. Now, another player in all of this is Merrick Bob, who is the monitor that was appointed, actually, by by the judge, hasn't he sided uh, to some degree with the Civilian Commission about their recommendations? Well, the relationship with Merrick Bob is interesting because, um, so again, going back, the Community Police Commission and then more recently the city and the DOJ have said, if we try and go through every one of these specific recommendations one by one, this is going to be a really long process you know, we need to turn this whole package over to the city. Merrick Bob, though, recently essentially wrote a letter to the judge 
asking that they proceed in that way where they go through specific recommendations. So some of those recommendations are recommendations that the Community Police Commission supports. But as an approach to this police reform process, they don't necessarily support that approach because, again, it's it's not all that public. It can take a really long time to get everybody on the same page with every single recommendation. In fact, they've tried it before, and basically it didn't work. Um, they would be in this back room for, for years. And so it, the tension with Merrick Bob is, is less about specific recommendations and more about just how this whole process works. Mm-hmm. And where is the city council in all of this? Well, the the city council for right now is sort of on the sideline because of what we've talked about. I mean, they obviously have a huge interest in what's going on and they're all paying attention. But for right now, they're sort of waiting to see what they're actually going to be allowed to do and how they're going to be able to legislate it. What the judge will allow them right. to do. And so, and so the, the official formal request was let this legislation go through the legislative process. And then before it's passed into law, once basically the city council has approved it, it's gone through committee and all that. Then Judge Robart could look at it and sort of say yay or nay. He came back recently and said, I don't want to be the one to say, I don't want to hold a veto pen, is sort of his quote. He doesn't feel like he should be in a position where after the city council spent all this time crafting this legislation, he might nix the whole thing. And so the agreement, which sort of close to what they'd asked for, is instead of the judge looking at the legislation after it's gone through the legislative process, he gets to see it before it even goes to committee. So the mayor's officer or whoever is going to write this bill, and then before they even send it to the city council, Robart gets his chance to look at it. The idea being if he sees things that he doesn't think should be in there or he thinks unduly influence the consent decree, he can nix it before it gets too far. Community Police Commission weren't super happy with that. Just because it's for them, they've been kind of sitting on their hands for right. a very long time. And they, they did see, all this work, and now they're waiting. They want to have the community involvement. They want to have transparency, but yet there is the judge saying, and it, it doesn't. They think it's that's gonna this new process is gonna make this take a lot longer. And then there's also I just think some general queasiness about having a a judge play that heavy of a role that early in the legislative process. It gets into these same discussions about um, that you hear kind of on a national level right. of. Where does the judici- judicial fit into the legislative? Right. So what now? What happens next? We- well, um, we're on Monday, we're going to have a status conference. The judge has, has called a status conference, which, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what he says. The sort of biggest news, which is what I was just talking about, he's already released. So, you know, he'll he'll probably talk a little bit about how he sees this process moving forward. And then... You know what? In the end, it's a it's a lawsuit. So what he says goes. So if he says I get to see an early draft, he's going to get to see an early draft. So likely, what's going to happen is exactly as we just talked about. The mayor's office will draft some legislation, which will include some of the community police commission's recommendations, and then the judge will look at it before it goes to committee. Say I like this, I don't like this, and then it'll sort of move through the legislative process. Slow process. It's an incredibly slow process, and I think it's much slower than anyone was expecting. More than a year ago, there was a status conference, at which point a lot of people were expecting the judge basically to give the okay to do exactly this. And that was a year ago. And even at that point, people were getting impatient. And so we're five years into this consent decree and coming up on three years since these initial recommendations were drafted and made public. You know, I think the city and the Department of Justice have a little more patience with this because 
they see this as part of the process right. and they see it as getting it right. Yeah. Um, the Community Police Commission, which is made up of volunteers, these people don't do this for a job and yet are devoting many, many hours and are working really hard on it, see this as just – and a lot of them are activists. You know, They don't, right. they don't participate in political processes like this and they're not trying to get reelected. Uh, I think for them especially, it's been an ungodly frustrating experience. They want to see something get done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, is this surprising? I mean, uh, does this happen elsewhere in the country? Have you noticed anything like that? Well, the Obama administration has this has been sort of his favorite move recently is to to run these consent decrees. Um, most recently in Baltimore, that looks like right. they're, it looks like they're going to um, have their own consent decree. Um, Seattle, at least under the Obama administration, is further along than a lot of other cities. Um, they like to use uh, – nationally, people actually like to use Seattle as an example for how this process can work. Um, Chief Police Chief Kathleen O'Toole was right. at the State of the Union. Um, Attorney General Laura Lynch came through and talked about you know, how great it is that Seattle's moving forward. And in Cleveland, they actually modeled their community police commission off of Seattle's. And so in – a lot of respects, people like to point to Seattle's process as being a good example of that. The sort of one big caveat is how do you take such a complicated and in some ways clumsy process and include the voices of the people that are probably most likely to win or lose with regards to how the police are behaving, which is, you know, the people on the streets who actually live there. I mean, those people are not in these courtrooms that often. Right. So more to write about going ahead. This uh, issue of police reform is going to be with us, I think, for for some time, not only here in Seattle, but elsewhere across the country. David Croman, city reporter for CrossCut.com. Thanks a lot for the insights. This has been Reporter's Notebook. I'm Enrique Cerna. <laughs>